makes you cry. I'm reading all these testimonies of people saying, wow, I'm really getting this. My marriage isn't hurting anymore. Wow, I realized, listen to you, I was the biggest problem in my life. I thought it was her. Tons and tons of testimonies of people saying, thank you for the gospel. Thank you for the gospel. Now watch. If I get my eyes on the criticizing and the people that are saying he doesn't this, he doesn't that. I got one from a lady that was healed of something you can't be healed of. I guess. <laughs> but I don't know any better. <laughs> and I don't want to know any better. <laughs> And she wrote out this beautiful testimony. Why would she take the time? She ain't asking for nothing. She ain't asking anything of me. She's just saying, thank you. Why would she make it up? Why would she? The cynical man says, well, she, well, you know. Oh, I don't even want to be able to think that way. I just want to receive Jesus, speak Jesus, give Jesus, live Jesus, manifest Jesus. That's all I got time for. So here's what I'm saying. I live my life a certain way. I don't get caught up in chatter. I get caught up in him. Can I tell you a cool story? I got home Tuesday night late at one in the morning. Wednesday was a blur because it was kind of catch up day. I wasn't home for 21 days. Thursday was a blur because <laughs> it's catch up day because <laughs> I haven't been home for 21 days. I drove into my car to come here, so when I get back Sunday night, Monday will probably be a blur, because I got a lot to catch up on. But in the evening Thursday, I ran out, I said to my wife, I'm going to take a walk. Just shoot over to game lands, I'm going to take a walk back this trail, and just take a little walk. I'm done reading for a little, I'm just going to take a walk. She said, okay, good, go take a walk. I pull in the lot, there's a van sitting there. I pull in the lot on the far end because the road's right there. I don't have much time. Sun's getting low. And I got a long walk in mind. And I'm thinking it's probably going to be dark till I get out. But I'm going to go for it. Boom. I jump out of my truck, hit my thing, choop, shut my door, and I'm going. I do my whole loop. My phone's ringing in my pocket. It's my brother. We're chatting. We're talking. I get out to the parking lot. That van's still sitting there. It's pitch dark. I got out in the dark. It was dark because I said to my brother, man, I said, I really mistimed this. I said, it's dark and I'm only halfway. <laughs> I said, it's going to be really dark till I get out there. Well, I get out there and the guy's still sitting there. I go over. I just slide in my truck. I'm backing out and I see him jump out, but I got my wind up and I'm on the phone and I'm driving and I thought I heard him yell and I looked and it was a glare. His lights were on and I couldn't see and then I heard him honking his horn. So I just said, hey, hang on. Something's going on. I don't know if this guy needs me. So I just said, hang on. I wound up out my window. I said, are you trying to get, get my attention, buddy? He said, you're Dan Moeller. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> so I said to my brother, look, I got to go. I don't know what's going on here, but I just got to go. I pulled up beside him. I said, what's going on? He said, you ain't going to believe this. And I'm thinking, try me. 
Because I got a lot of crazy, fun testimonies like this. So see, you're not just going to not going to talk a guy out of what he's living. You can't theologically come at me with a theological approach good enough to talk me out of what I'm living. That's why it's important to live and not just say you believe. Come on, come on I know that's a little convicting, but I'm coming at you right now. I'm down here straight up. Come on. What you say about God is one thing. What you live in Him is your reality. That's what you really believe. And that's what will hold your conscience strong. That's what will keep you on course. You see what I mean? So this guy, I've never met him in my life. He is distraught. He is condemned in his heart. He has a stronghold in his life that he doesn't know how to get a grip on, but yet in his heart he has a love for God and believes he has a love for God, but the stronghold is capsizing him and robbing his identity. And then he just relates because he's sincere. Everything about the stronghold marks him and now he's condemned because I love God, but this is me. And because he believes this is me, then he acts on this is me. So when he acts on this is me, now he's sure this is me. And it's a vicious cycle. And here's how you know that he's sincere toward God. The whole time it bothers him. He's not having fun. He's crying himself to sleep. say, well, just knock it off. Just stop it. It's got his identity all snarled up. He actually believes he's what he does instead of believes what he did. He just started watching me a couple months ago on YouTube. (laughs) This guy pulls into a parking lot. He's sitting there crying, talking to God. I don't know if he was crying. He was just crying. He has this on his... He's just sitting there. And this is an issue in his life. And it's a compromise to him. And it's a, it's a big stumbling block. You get what I'm saying? So he don't know what to do. I pull in. He sees my white hair through the window of my truck. And he says, wow, that guy looks like that damn molar I'm listening to. He said, I jumped out of the truck and I did it so quick, I just shut the door and I went down the road and turned the corner and he saw my white beard in my hair and he thought, that was Dan Moore. He thought, God, you sent him here or sent me here. We need to talk. I'm going to wait till he comes out to see if that's him. So when I came out, he's still sitting there. So he's boop, boop. <laughs> I pull in and I said, what's going on? He said, you're Dan Moore. I said, yeah. He said, man, I've been watching you on YouTube. Thanks. He said, I've been watching you on YouTube. And then he confessed the stronghold right out of his mouth. Bam. I was able to stand there, minister to him, pour into him. He asked questions. It was just one of those beautiful, how are you going to deny that? Like it was one of those set up times. He could have been anywhere. A few weeks ago, I was getting out of my car on the road and I was ready to go this way. And I heard a car go, and it just started backing up on the road. And I looked, and the guy's looking out his window. He said, I know who you are. (laughs) It's the weirdest things, man. This stuff is weird. 
He said, I know who you are. I said, who am I? <laughs> and I smiled. I said, who am I? And I smiled. He said, you're Dan Moeller. I thought, yeah, that feels right. <laughs> so I walked over to the car. He just breaks down, starts crying his eyes out. I mean, he's just devastated about his marriage, some things he did. He poured his heart out. I squeezed his arm and I said, hey. I said, those tears always bring change. They're healthy. Those tears are sorrow. <gasps> and I asked him after it was all done, I said, I said, what were you doing? He said, just distraught, just driving. Just driving, needing help, don't know what to do, crying out to God in my heart. I come up this road and I look and you're right there walking. And I'm like, that man can help me. About a month before that, I'm a fisherman. When I'm home and available, I like to fish. I, I, I just enjoy fishing. I'm good at it too. I, uh, I figure if them disciples can do it, I should be able to do it. Like if they threw a net over and caught 153 big fish, I should be able to catch at least that many. So that's what I texted my pastor friend. I just left Montana. You know how many walleyes I caught? 166 walleyes. I said, if they caught 153, I figure I should be able to get 166. <laughs> this young man, about 22 years old, he lives over an hour away. He doesn't even know where he is. He's just driving, overwhelmed, circumstances, life. He's just driving an hour from home. Doesn't know the roads he's on. He's never been on those roads. I'm almost a half hour from home fishing. He doesn't even know where he is and why he's there. He's just saying, God, I don't know. God, I, and he's overwhelmed in his car. But he has watched me on YouTube, right? So he says, why can't I get it like Dan Moeller? Why can't it just be simple for me? It seems so simple for him. Man, I wish I could talk to that guy. I got some straight questions. I need help. God, I don't know how I could get a hold of him, but I think he could help me. And he's praying and he's driving and he looks and I'm walking up the road with my fishing rod. Now, I don't care what you tell me about what God doesn't and does do. You can't take that stuff from nobody. This guy's driving by me and he literally goes. And I'm like, whoa, what's he doing? He looks out his window, he puts it down and says, no way. And I'm like, well, this is going to be good. And he goes up and pulls in a bargain lot. So I backtracked and went and met him at his car because I figured it was a God thing. And he told me the story. I'm like, isn't that amazing? Now, isn't that sweet? Now, I was going fishing, but I'm more than a fisherman. And I ain't out just hiding from people and I ain't out stressed and need a break because if you go fishing to take a break and not be stressed, you're going to be stressed as soon as you quit fishing or you're going to be stressed because of fishing. Because you hooked a limb, you missed a bite, you tore your line, whatever. <laughs> see, see, it's just not about that. Like stressed. I had a Christian fuss me for that. He, he, 
he got stressed because I said, I don't get stressed. <laughs> like he got stressed because I implied. Now I said it wrong. I was young in the Lord and I said it wrong. He heard it as haughty and proud. But when I said it, he got stressed. He said, who do you think you are? There's stress. Everything's stressed. Traffic is stressed. Paying bills is stressed. Going to work is stressed. And I went. I mean, he's stressed out. He had a condition that was induced by stress, a physical condition, some gastro, something, intestinal. It was all. And I, and I, and I was young in the Lord. I'm just several months old in the Lord. And I said, stress? Well, but why do you have stress? Oh, now don't you tell me now. All of a sudden, oh, and he's just, he got stressed. <laughs> and I was like, no, you're going to blow up your intestines. Stop it. These pigs are ready to pop, man. About four months later, he saved 20 years. This guy was saved 20 years. Now, I'm not being mean. I'm not being self-righteous and arrogant when I say this and proud. He was saved 20 years going to church, but nobody, nobody ever told him why he was saved. They just told him he was forgiven, and if he dies, he's going to heaven. That's all he knew, so life was eating his lunch every day. He had the same mindset he had before he was saved. He had the same motives in life as before he was saved. Same exact attitudes as before he confessed Jesus. Because nobody ever told him that all things become new. And that your purpose changes and your reason for being and your motive in life is supposed to change. Why? Because old things pass away. The why behind your life ought to change. Yeah? But he didn't know that, so he saved 20 years and didn't know that. But I worked with him day in and day out, so he saw my life every day. So it took him about four months to come to me weeping one day. He said, you've been saved six months. This was like two months in, I did the stress thing with him, and he, and then about four months, it was about six months, I remember I was saved about six months, he came to me, he said, you've been saved like six months, and he said, I, I, I'm just telling you, and then he confessed, and he said some things about me that he perceived, that he saw that were complimentary, I don't need to go into detail, and he cried, and he wept, and he said, how can I be saved 20 years, and be a mess, and you live this way? In six months, you've been this way for six months. And I said, it's simple. It's your understanding. Nobody's ever taught you what I see. If you'll let me, I'll be glad to pour it out right now. And I began to pour out my heart. And what he thought was pride back then, he started realizing was revelation. But nobody ever told him. Nobody ever told him. I was grown up. I don't know about you. I was grown up till I was 33. All the only understanding I had is you better pray this prayer called the sinner's prayer because if you die, you better have prayed that prayer. That's all I knew. I didn't know anything about putting on righteousness and, and, and walking in love. I didn't know anything about knowing Him and communing with Holy Spirit. People with well intentions... All they gave me was pray this prayer. If you die tonight and don't know where you're going, you better pray this prayer so you're covered, dude. And then make sure you stay in church because you better be in church when he comes. Anybody ever hear this stuff but me? And then you think about all that and then there's mystery all around it because you're like, well, why does he care so much? Why would he die on the cross for me? Because nobody knows you like you. 
Yeah? And some of us are thinking, like, why would he love me? <laughs> I don't even love me. Come on, that's real true. And there's a reason it's that perverted and messed up because of spiritual law. The greatest commandment is love God with everything you are. And what's the second one? Love your neighbor as your... Wow, no wonder self is so muddied up. No wonder people don't love who they are in Jesus and even see or know who they are in Jesus because you know what they're doing to others? Loving them just like they don't love themselves. And some of your neighbors are saying, wait, don't even go after that scripture till you get a revelation. <laughs> like some of your neighbors don't want you loving them like you love yourself. Are you all good? Are you sure? You're probably asking me that, aren't you? Are you good? <laughs> I'm really doing well. Watch this. I turned you to John 8 for some reason. We might as well read it. I mean, I'm not, I, I guess we can make it fit. John 8, verse 31. Jesus said to the Jews who believed him, it was funny, he's talking to the Jews who believed him, but the ones that didn't believe him are the ones that responded. But he's always teaching, isn't he? Did you ever understand and notice that Jesus is always teaching, no matter how bad they trash his teaching? Do you understand that he's perceiving their thoughts and their thoughts aren't good and he just stays good? Ain't that something? Like they were, they were, they were not doing him right. And he never lived like he wasn't done right. Man, let's get that, church. Let's just get that. Let's throw away this whole basket of excuses for why I am the way I am and I wouldn't be this way if they didn't. Well, you know, how many times do I have to? And if they wouldn't, then I... Why don't you just throw all that away because you can't find that in Jesus' vocabulary? Jesus does not have a list. He ain't writing a book of his life story to reveal why he's a mess. I'm not being me. I'm being real. Because I can preach this gospel as crystal clear as can be. And I'll have people say, yeah, but Dan, you don't understand my life. Making their life greater than the gospel. Their circumstances, their memory. Yeah, but Dan, you don't know what it was like growing up. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about Christ in you right now. Yeah, but Dan, that stuff that's left a mark. No, that's your confession. That's where you're choosing to live. You're letting the past identify you. Why don't you take off the thing? It doesn't fit you anyway. You don't look good in it. You wouldn't have bought it if it was hanging on the rack. So why are you wearing it like it's yours? Why don't you take it off and put on what was made for you? Because you'll look really good in that garment, you see? But it never fails. So here's what Jesus said, and then I'll be done. Where is, oh, it's only 8.30. Is that time right? Wow. Don't get scared. Don't get scared. I was just relieved. I was like, I was thinking it was really late. 8.30? Whoa! 
I always wanted to experience that Joshua thing where God turned back the sun and the time and maybe we just experienced it. <laughs> Jesus said to the Jews who believe, watch, if you abide, that, that word means dwell, remain, to live, to abide, to dwell, remain, continue in. To abide in my word. If you dwell, remain, continue in my word. Watch, you are my disciple indeed. Now, he's not talking about somebody that's reading their Bible to qualify that says, well, I have to read my Bible. You know, I should read my Bible. Well, you know, I didn't read my Bible for a while. Well, I probably ought to read my Bible. You don't read your Bible because you're supposed to. You read your Bible to know him. Yeah? You don't read your Bible to qualify. You are qualified. You don't read your Bible to measure up. You're measured up in Christ Jesus. You're accepted in the Beloved. Like you're already in. You're not out. If you're in, you're not out. You read your Bible to know Him. And what he's saying, a word disciple means a wholehearted follower. A wholehearted follower, a disciplined learner. That's some definitions for the word disciple. He never said go make confessing Christians. He said go make wholehearted followers disciplined learners. Didn't he? He didn't say confessing Christians. Disciples. He said, if you abide in my word, you're my disciple indeed. In other words, you're continuing my word. You're reading to know me. You're reading to know me, the truth about me. Who knows that in the truth about him and his father, there's motive and intent, there's purpose, there's will, all the above. And they're the things that I think we've missed. And that's what he's saying. Watch. He's saying, if you abide in my word, you're my disciple indeed. Now, this is a great promise. Watch. And you shall know. He's not talking about one plus one is two. He's not talking about you answering a pop quiz on, on, or a trivia quiz on the Bible. You know, the name of Jesus' mother, Mary. You know, Sarah was married to Abraham. He's not talking about a Bible quiz. <laughs> if you continue and remain in his word you will know wouldn't it be amazing to just know he loves you well how do you know because he sent his son yeah but but how do you know because he sent his son once for all he so loved the world he gave his son he paid for me. What else could it mean? And all of a sudden, I start believing He loves me because of that simple truth. And all of a sudden, the knowing that He loves me overtakes my heart. Are you with me? And all of a sudden, I'm never going to say, well, I thought God loved me. Why don't... Did you ever hear somebody say, well, I don't even know where I'm at with God anymore. I've been even questioning if He's even real. When somebody says that, you know what they're giving away? They've never known him. They've never had communion relationship with him. They've never been with him. They've just been to church. How can you question if he's even real? And I know people say things when they're frustrated, but how can you really question if he's real if you've known him? That's just a dead giveaway that you've never known him. Like, like let's, let's, just, let's just get crazy and just say, I say, you know what? I'm not doing Jesus anymore. That's really crazy. I'm using me. I'm not using you. 
I'm using me. Okay, just not doing Jesus anymore. Just not. But watch this. I could do that. I could say, well, I'm never... I mean, I would have, I would have that right... The will to do that in the sense of God gave me that free will. Now, it's, 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 a, it's a ludicrous thought to me. But what I'm saying is you could physically do that, but I could never deny that he's real sincerely from my heart because I've been with him. Like I've been with him. So I can't say he ain't real even if I'm frustrated. You get it? You get it? So knowing him is the goal. You will know the truth. Who's the truth? Oh, you will know him. What did Jesus say? This is eternal life. It's John 17, 3. And this is eternal life that you might not pray a prayer to go to heaven. That you might know. Not know. Know him. What's eternal life? Knowing Him. The only true God and His Son, Jesus Christ, whom He sent. Do you see how important relationship is? Knowing Him and yielding and surrendering. Giving up all the attitudes that are detrimental, that never produced life. Give up everything that's self-centered, that gives you a right to be less than who He is, and just call it all dead. Yes. <sighs> Sounds like an order call right there in your seat, right? You shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. They answered him and said, we are Abraham's descendants. We have never been in bondage to anyone. Now, they don't have a clue what he's saying, right? Now, he was talking to those who believed him. But these people that answered him aren't the people that believe him. How can you say you, sh we sh you shall be made free when we're not in bondage is what they're saying. My goodness, they were in bondage at the very moment to the Romans. <laughs> but they're just caught up in religious stuff. Holding on to heritage way back there that had no reality right now. Identifying through what was instead of what is. So the truth standing right in front of them, and because of that, they can't even see him. He came to his own, and his own knew him not. Nothing was made that wasn't made through him. But yet he came to his own and his own knew him not. That's a sad scenario of Scripture. That you can get so blind and so deceived that truth could be standing right in front of you and you're sure it's a lie. Come on, Jesus spoke to them for probably three years. Three years. He spoke to them for three years. And watch, he's the truth. And they killed him for what he said. Not a preacher. Jesus. For three years, stood in the streets and spoke, and they couldn't even relate because of the mindset they were trained by and the twist and the peril of sin and flesh and self. That's humbling and that's sobering. That the truth could be speaking to you and you fight it tooth and nail to where you just as soon kill it so you didn't have to hear it. You'll know the truth, the truth will make it free. How can you say, I mean, come on, we're Abraham's descendants. We've never been bondage to anyone. How can you say you should be made free? Jesus said to them, most assuredly, I love when Jesus says that. <laughs> Probably can count on it. 
Most assuredly, I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave of sin. See, I want you to read in context because we quote these things. We put these things in frames on our walls. If you abide in his word, you're my disciple indeed, you know the truth and truth will make you free. And it's, whoa, and I'm not putting that down. It's awesome, but you've got to see what he's saying. He says, most assuredly, I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave of sin. And a slave does not abide in the house forever, but a son abides forever. Therefore, watch this. Stuff makes me want to cry, man. Therefore, if the Son, this is so important to him because this is so your creative value and purpose. This is so important to Jesus that he became a man to come to accomplish this for you. That is how serious he is about you living in the Spirit. That he said, it's worth my death, my life, my death. It's worth Everybody treat me wrong and me just manifesting what truth looks like. It's worth me coming into the womb of Mary and being birthed by Mary and coming as a man to get man back in his original value so he can walk out what Father intended. Jesus is that serious about who we're created to be that he's here doing this right here. And he says, listen, a slave isn't in the house forever, but a son. And he who the son makes free. And why did he bring up sin? Because every sin, every sin ever committed comes from the root of self-centeredness in flesh. There's not one sin that's committed that's not done through the motive of self and flesh. I know I'll get, I'll get crucified for saying this. I don't say this stuff from the pulpit really ever, but for some reason I feel like I'm to say it, and you probably got things recorded. And... I just think we miss the whole deity of Jesus thing so much. We feel like we got to honor God by saying He came as God. He's not dishonored when you say He came as a man. I'm not saying He wasn't the Son of God, but He came as a man. Because if he came as God, you couldn't follow him. He came as a man empowered by the Holy Spirit. And Scripture says he came as a man. So we always say that he couldn't sin because of his deity. And I'm not, I'm not, saying, I'm not saying I'm disagreeing with that, but here's what I've never heard anyone say, but I've believed it for 25 years. I've just never said it from the pulpit. This is my first time. I'm probably going to get crucified for this. I've never heard anybody preach that Jesus was free from sin because he was free from self. And sin had no platform to function because he was selfless. I can't follow deity. I can follow Holy Spirit, but I'm not deity. But I can follow selfless. Because I can pray, I can be sincere, and grace could empower me what I could never be on my own because I'm saved by grace through faith. And you might not believe that, but leave me alone if I do. Are you hearing me? Why would Jesus say, deny yourself, young man, if it wasn't possible? Why would he invite you into something you could never step into? Why would he say, deny yourself, pick up your cross, if you're not going to ever live selfless and you couldn't really pick up your cross, and then say, when you do that, follow me, if you couldn't?
Come on. See, I, I decided a long time ago I'm done with self because it never produced anything good. It was just me and I was still, it was just all about me. Even when I said I love you, it was for me. That's the way I was in my marriage. That's the way I was in friendships. And I was good with it if it gave me something. What's in it for me? And we scarred each other with that stuff. We go, well, what's in it for you? Well, what's in it for you? I'll tell you what's in this gospel for me, him. And that has nothing to do with me. That has to do with him. And the biggest problem in my life. So what am I getting set free from? I was a slave to sin. Why? Because I was self-centered. And he's saying, if you'll get that and you'll continue in the Word, you'll know the truth. And the truth itself, not discipline, not biting your lip and works, the truth itself, you see it. <gasps> I was never made for me. I was made for His glory. I was made for His image. I was made to live by His Spirit. I was made to walk in love. I was made to make peace and show mercy. I was made to be a son. <laughs> you continue in the Word, and all of a sudden you say, man, I was never made to sin. I'm done giving sin all this power and saying, well, brother, you know, we're always going to sin. Everybody's going to sin. What are you saying? You don't sin, brother? I'm just done with all that. I'm just going to wake up and not even think about any of that. I'm just going to wake up and believe I'm right in the sight of God, that I'm wearing righteousness, that I'm His boy and His life is in me. And I'm going to see how far that takes me. That's what I'm going to do. And I'm going to throw away all that argument over the Scriptures at a coffee table where nobody's even living Christ. They're just debating Scripture. And they're mad at each other for not agreeing with each other. I don't even get in them ever. That's why I don't read comments and go on the internet. It doesn't, even, it doesn't matter to me. He who the... Okay, now I'm going, I'm going, this is going to get really good to close with. So if Jesus said most assuredly, and I said we probably ought to believe that, we'd probably bank on it, and we all giggled. So if Jesus said he who the Son sets free, is what? He's talking about sin. He's talking about self. So is it possible to be free? Not because you want to be, not because you believe you should be, because you see that the Son has set you free. Why? Because He has given you a brand new identity through forgiving you of everything you've ever done. And He has rewritten the truth about your life in your heart. And now you're waking up for a whole different reason. And you're not waking up to survive and it ain't about you and people doing you right and getting your fair shake. It's about the manifestation of Jesus Christ through your life, period. Come hell, come high water, you're gonna shine. Done wrong, done right, you're gonna shine. Your own spouse go off the deep end and go crazy. You're going to shine. Your kids do the unthinkable. You're going to shine. Why? Because you're on the earth to shine. All those other things will never make sense unless you live in this place. Only then can you sort through the chaos. People are trying to get through the chaos and missing the point. And they turn God into a busboy, a table waiter, and a genie to fix all their wrong things and never get to know Him. Don't you do that. He's way more than that, and so are you. 
I say this all the time and I'll never stop saying it. You're on the earth for one reason. To walk in love. And church, if we miss becoming love, we missed why he came. And we've gathered and we've done church, but we haven't been her. And our theology won't transform our life. Only his grace. And he who the son sets free. So at what point are you all alone and you say, thank you for forgiving me of everything I've ever done? That sure beats feeling guilty on the inside. That sure beats looking back and regretting, feeling bad about the things you did because your heart really is purer than what you did. You just messed up and you wish you didn't, but you did and you don't know how to get by it. Let me show you how to get by it. Wow, thank you for washing me clean, making me wiser and sharper. My life wasn't created for that. And my life was created for this. Man, I'm giving myself to you. I just thank you, God, for the way you see me, the way you love me, the way you've dressed me. Man, I am ready to walk in love. Yeah? That sure beats taking things personal, arguing with your spouse all the time, need to be right, manipulation and control in relationships. Come on. I'm done with it. Done with silent treatments, letting people know that you're not happy. Do you realize how arrogant and self-righteous and proud that is? Could you imagine heaven functioning like that? Could you imagine getting into the presence of the Father and you're overwhelmed by Him and you're crying and you're tore up because you believe you love Him and you get there and He's ignoring you and He's like, so Michael, how was your day? Oh, you and Gabriel hung out? Good, man. What'd you do today? And all of a sudden He's just ignoring you. Or He's cold shouldering you. Do you think God's like that? How many times have we done that to each other? It's control, manipulation, it's self-centeredness at its finest. I'm done with that stuff. I put that stuff away a long time ago. That's why I talk so like, <sighs> about it. Because you don't have to believe me because I live this way and I'm not boasting in myself. I'm boasting in the grace and the truth and the power of God. And I'm telling you, if we'll surrender and submit ourselves to him and deny ourselves and pick up our cross, we'll follow him. And why would he tell you, young man, to do it if you could? I think you ought to just keep doing it. Yeah? What do you think? So here's the deal. It has nothing to do with your circumstances. It has nothing to do with others. It has nothing to do with your spouse. And I'm not saying that in a bad way. What I'm saying is my wife could totally, totally jump ship. And I still have to answer, what am I going to do with Jesus? Yeah. And if my wife jumping ship wrecks my life, then my wife being on the ship is my life. Now, I don't want her to jump ship. And I'm still a paradox. I still have to walk through things if that happens. But how has Christ changed? If one of your children goes off the deep end, God forbid, it's happened. And just goes into la-la land for a season. You better make sure you see this stuff so you don't go into la-la land with them. Meaning just despair, condemnation. If I was a better parent, they wouldn't be there. What did I do wrong? God, where did I miss it? And all of a sudden you're carrying the load of their decisions. And all of a sudden you're non-productive and your whole world is your children and all your identity is wrapped around them and their happenings. 
Jesus is way bigger than that, friend. In fact, it would probably freak your kids out to see you're really okay. Watch, because you preach Jesus to them their whole life, and then when they fall out, you fall out. Some great God he is. All of a sudden, it's just theory to them. This ain't theory, it's truth. See, I, I get adamant about this stuff. Most of you know my story about all that, and I don't have to go into detail tonight. But, but I walk through everything that I'm preaching with boldness. Why? Because I know it's possible. And even if I didn't, you can still know it's possible because you see it in His Word. But I actually had the privilege, and I call it a privilege, to walk through every inch of what I preach. Because my wife did go off the deep end, and both my children went into La La Land. And it lasted about eight years. It doesn't change Jesus. And everybody's back home, and everybody's doing great, and we're not a statistic. Why? Because that never became our truth. We already had truth. And I'm not a man waking up every day feeling forsaken when I've been forgiven of everything I've ever done and accepted in the beloved. And natural life couldn't forsake me enough to get me to believe I'm forsaken. <laughs> See, there's something powerful about your motive in life. If I woke up to be loved by my family, now I'm devastated by my family. But if I woke up to love them and be like Christ, no matter where they're at, I'm empowered if my motive's sincere. And you say, eight years is a long time. Truth doesn't know time. So why do you let time change truth? Oh, that's real good. You forgot the real in front of that. Good, whoever. Yeah, real good. Seriously. Don't we let time change truth? Well, how long? Well, when are we... Well, when are they ever going to? Well, I've been praying and praying. And we give our motive away. You're only doing it for your sake. You just know when they change, your day goes better. Do you know how many people are praying for people they say they love because they're frustrated, antagonized, angry, and out of patience? And they're praying, calling it love. They're praying for every reason but love. And they're wondering why there's no movement spiritually. My wife prayed for me before I was saved, before she fell off the deep end. She was trying hard. I kind of pushed her off the deep end probably. Before I was saved, my wife prayed for me for 13 years and I got worse. She analytically processed that and she gave up on God after 13 years and she said, I'm done with you. Watch. I prayed to you for 13 years. You've done nothing. You've allowed me and these children to suffer through hell, and you've done nothing. In fact, he's gotten worse. Done with you. That was her reasoning. She said she pumped her fist at the air and the ceiling, and she walked away and went into oblivion for eight long years. Well, that kind of happened a little after that, the eight-year thing, but... She walked off because God restored her after that. And when he restored her, you know what he did? He came and he hovered over her after he wrecked her with some truth in the bathroom all alone. And her life was way out in left field. And he came. He's amazing. 
She's on the floor in a fetal position crying. He hovers over her and he's making peace over that little rant. He said, you know, it's true that you prayed for 13 years, Kim. And nothing changed in your husband. Watch. Pay attention. This is the most revelation. When she told me this, I... He said, you don't realize how you kept my hands tied from moving in everything you prayed because you only prayed from pain. You never one time prayed from love. You never prayed one time for mercy. You knew that if I changed him, your day would go better. You never cried for how lost he was and how much more he could be. You only prayed because you were another hurting wife that prayed. Ain't that something? And if I remember the story clear, he said, and I can't leave you that place, in that place, and leave you that way, because that way is not me. In other words, if she's praying from that motive and I change, guess what she's taught? To stay there. Yeah. God said, there ain't no way I'm leaving you there, because that don't look anything like me. So my wife got tricked into letting where I wasn't decide where she was instead of who he is in her. Are you with me? It all worked out in the end. Jesus came and rescued me and saved me. <laughs> and we're all together. My wife's amazing. There's my wife. When I tell those stories... It's just seasons that we walk through. My wife is tender-hearted. She's a woman of prayer. She's probably, we were just out with family and behind the scenes, well, they say it openly, but behind the scenes, they say it. That's when people really believe it. My brother-in-law said, I don't think I ever met a more tender-hearted, compassion-filled woman. Just so sincere. Your wife, she's so, so precious. I said, she's amazing. And you know what? She knows she owes me nothing. And because of that, she would absolutely lay down her life for me. Because she knows she owes me nothing. She knows that I, I, our love is totally unconditional. And that's how it works. That's how God made man in the first place. Out of the fullness of God in the man, he brought out the woman. To be loved by God through the man. You get it? <laughs> and that's what we have. Yay. So we don't have animosity and need to be right. Tension. Leaving without words. Oh, we used to have that. <laughs> and I always win. <laughs> but she can tell you, we don't have that at all. And I don't foresee that in our future. Because he who the Son sets free? free see, here's the thing. You taste and see that he is. So it's not something you're trying to live. It's something you see and become. Because if you become it, you're not trying to live it. You say, how do I become it? In prayer, in relationship, in him. And we might talk more about that this weekend. Are you all good? So let me nutshell what we just said tonight in a minute maybe. I'm in faith right now. The whole reason God sent His Son 
is to forgive us our sins, put his spirit back in us, his life in us, his ways in us, and restore us back to what it was we were intended to be before sin ever showed up in the garden. Yeah? And he calls that new life through Jesus Christ, even though it's the same life he gave back. And the reason it's new life is because it's one we never had. We were born into Adam, and we must be born again. So we put off the... And we put on the... That is not the gospel I grew up with. But that's the gospel that has transformed my life. So when they hand me a mic, I just cry it out. I mean, yeah. So you all good? So here's the deal. There's nothing I preach today that you can't live when you wrap faith around it and say, okay, I'm going to forget all the other factors and all the other faces. What am I going to do with this honor? What am I going to do with the blood of Jesus and the gospel of Jesus Christ? And that's where you begin to walk out your life by faith in prayer. Surrender to Him and give it all to Him so all that He is comes into you. Yeah? And it's not about failure. It's about becoming. So all of a sudden, a couple days from here, you have a conviction because you just vented and you go, whoa, that was self-centered. Instead of curling up and dying or I'll never get there or I mustn't even be saved, all that condemnation, you go, wow, thank you for the conviction here, God. I see this so clear. That was so selfish. That's the last thing I want in my heart and in my life. Find a place alone if you need to and slip on your knees and just exchange. God, I so thank you for the truth that's working in me. Man, a week ago, I'd have justified that. Now I see it's never you. God, thank you. You're growing me. You're changing me. Oh, my goodness, your love is amazing. Thank you for loving me. You say you would do that in the middle of catching yourself in a vent? What would you do? Curl up and die? Throw away your identity? Stay condemned for a week? Don't run from him. Run to him. The days of naked and ashamed are over. Make sure you live clothed. Clothed is better in the Lord. Amen. I'm going to pray over you and then we're going to do something quick. Are we okay? It's 9 o'clock. Okay, earlier I looked up and it was 8.30. I was like, whoa, yay. So I took a whole more half hour. And now I'm actually getting excited like right now. Like I right now feel like I'm breaking in. I'm kidding. You all getting something out of this though? Come on, this is why you're on the planet. Now just, now just watch this. Wonder if we, at large, take this serious and begin to actually conduct our lives and live this way by grace through truth. Wonder if you will actually start living this way and function this way in your marriage. Wonder if you start functioning this way at work and just out and about. And wonder if people don't bother you anymore because you're called to something else than being bothered. Yeah? Wonder if people don't get under your skin because you got all this new skin that they can't get under because you see different. Just think what that would do in life. I'm just one fella, but I don't know how you multiply what God can do through one fellow when He's purposing to live this way. You're just one person. I don't know how you can really measure because when you add this one and you're one and you're one and all of a sudden we have an army that's rising up. And it's the body of Christ on the earth. And it's not just about signs and wonders, which that's a major part. That's going to 
happen more and more and more too. But I'll tell you what's going to happen. Everybody's looking for this big signs and wonder outpouring. I'll tell you what God wants to do. Fashion our hearts in love. He wants us to be able to handle and carry this great outpouring. There's days that have passed where people saw crazy miracles and were bound in sin behind the scenes. Saw crazy miracles and couldn't love their wife. Saw crazy miracles and were angry at ministers. I don't even want that. We all think we want crazy miracles. I think God wants love. Because if you don't have love, you can have knowledge of all mysteries. You can have faith to move every mountain. But if you don't have love, you got nothing. And I'll tell you what will happen to every person that moves in gifting without love. They will find their resume and their identity through the way God moved through them instead of the way God lives through them. And that's a trap. Don't fall into it. All right? You shouldn't chase signs and wonders anyway. They're supposed to follow you. Just being technical. <laughs> They'll follow you because you're a believer. People say, you ain't supposed to be pursuing signs and wonders. I said, I'm not. They're right here waiting, man. As soon as they see a little face. <laughs> I ain't chased a sign and wonder in my whole Christian life. <laughs> They've been following me the whole time. They just right there just follow me along. <laughs> I'm four months saved. Four months saved in the Lord. I mean, I got little spiritual huggies. I got holy powder on my bottom. You're four months saved. You just, wah, wah, rock me, hold me, wah. That's what you think, right? No, no. I'm four months saved. I'm getting discernment. I got word of knowledge. A hernia went closed under my hand and canceled a surgery of a double mesh wire. And you're going to tell me healing ain't for today. Okay, then you're telling me I just lied to you. We'll find out someday. See, the paradox about people that don't believe nothing, they ain't got nothing, then that's their resume, so that's their evidence. Nothing. So if God doesn't heal today, you're not praying for anybody, so you ain't never experienced healing because you ain't believing it, so you got nothing, so your nothing proves you're nothing. Ah! So then your only defense against somebody that says they saw something is they're either lying, they fabricated it, or they probably paid them 50 bucks to make them look good, whatever. I'm four months saved. Four months. And I get a word of knowledge and don't even know what a word of knowledge is. I couldn't even taught it. I wasn't in my bedroom. God, give me a word of knowledge. I was in my bedroom. I so thank you. You love me. I appreciate you in me. Holy Spirit, have your way. You are my best friend. I just so love you and appreciate you. Thank you that your eyes are in me. Your ways are in me. Thank you, God, for loving me. And I just leave my house in that place. <laughs> I, I would. I teach about it. I, I was really adamant about it in the beginning. Now I just know it. I don't look in the mirror and talk to myself really anymore. Every once in a while I go, ha, ha, ha. But other than that, <laughs> every once in a while I look, yeah. <laughs> in the mirror. But when I first got saved, I was, I was intentional about it. Yeah. I'd go by the full-length mirror on my way out. I'd say, whoa. Dude, are you kidding me? 
No, in my bedroom, just me and the Holy Ghost. I would do this out loud. I'd be looking like I'm looking to somebody else, but I know it's me. I, I would go, are you kidding me? You are so filled with God. I see him in you, all over you, man. In fact, when I look into your eyes, man, all I see is God's love. I can see and understand that you understand righteousness. Like, there's a confidence in you. It's not proud, but you're just wearing what Jesus paid for. Man, listen, I, there's a whole world out there that needs what I see in you. I don't know what you're doing here. You got to go, man. You got to give it. I just know, look, I know your day is going to be amazing. And then I'd head out the bedroom. Now you think I'm going to believe all that and then get out there and say, well, I can't believe they, well, he said, well, they shouldn't, well, that hurt. <laughs> not today, friend. Tomorrow's probably not a good day for that either. <laughs> I knew I'd lose it here sooner or later. I told you I was just feeling warmed up. I'm quitting, I'm finished. But if you need to look at yourself in the mirror and talk to yourself, do it. I had an administrator in my life. It took her three days before she could hold herself to look at her eyes when she would say what Jesus said about her because she didn't believe that about her. Now watch, if she didn't believe that about her, then she's loving her neighbors at herself. So if she's nitpicky and fault-finding, guess what she's seeing? Everything that's wrong in people's lives. And she doesn't mean to. She's a great lady. But because her identity's skewed, she doesn't have a clear view of others. But man, when I see me clear in Christ, I got the best look at you I've ever had in my life. And I see what he paid for and I know what he's up to. Yeah, and all of a sudden it's easy to love you. I ain't trying. Yeah. You get it? Yeah. Ooh, you see what's wrong with me? <laughs> I believe the gospel. Oops. <laughs> Can I pray for you? Can I pray something over you guys? Yeah. You're going to walk this thing out? You're going to go after this thing? Yeah. You're going to like tonight in the best of your understanding refuse to like be refused and turn back and get discouraged and, and just say, you know what? I'm going after this. Even if it feels like nobody around me wants, I ain't going to try to push my zeal on others. I ain't going to try to, I'm just going to be with you and let you be with me and let that look like what it looks like. But I'm done living for myself. You want to make that commitment without having an order call? Just done living for yourself. Just done with selfishness. I'm done with bad attitudes. I'm done with just, just non-productive thinking. I'm just done with responding in ways that will never produce life. I'm just done with the need to be right. I just want to be righteous and I want to be found in you. You all ready? You want to pray this way? You going to pray this way with me? You going to give yourself to it? Let's do it. Father, I just thank you for grace in this room and I just thank you for this sincere corporate commitment today. God, you're the one that searches all things. You're the searchlight, Holy Spirit. You just go through and you search all things. And I ask that you would turn every heart to just a sincere yes and surrender right now. That grace would be found on every life. Yep, the grace to love, the grace to be selfless, the grace to take you at your word and deny ourselves, pick up our cross and follow you without getting into works, without getting into some kind of grind, some uh, lip bite thing. Just, God, just grace empowering us. I just pray for a great impartation tonight of transformation and change in our lives. You know, every person, I ask you to meet every person right where they're at. I ask that you swallow up weakness with strength and, and you take wrong thinking and just shift it into truth. Would you come, Lord God, and do something phenomenal that would reveal your great name in this hour?
do something phenomenal in our lives. And let all these words become life and expression in each and every person. And let the world see and know that truly, God, you sent your son. I ask that it's our lives that mark the hearts of men, not just our words. And I pray that our lives are undeniable in the sight of people. God, I thank you for it. I thank you for the impact. No nonsense, no turning back, no double standard, God. And I just thank you for the grace and the joy to live it. In Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. You know why I added that word joy? Because I got a conviction when I said no compromise, no turn back. Because people get hardcore like, oh, you. <laughs> As if they could just fail right away. Like, like I don't know because I... No, it's with joy. Yes. When you live selfless, you'll finally understand. If you've not lived selfless, then you don't truly understand what the word freedom means. Because when he said, he who the sun sets free is free indeed, he was talking about self. Are you with me? He's not just talking about being forgiven of your sins. He's talking about being free from yourself. And until you live free from yourself, you really don't know what freedom truly is. And, and I can't even explain to you the bondage of living self-centered. It's a bondage. It's unnatural to heaven, and it's perversion. Never intended from the beginning. Born into Adam, born again.